Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Wrestling Dungeon, April 2nd, 2017. It is seven years since the last time we covered WrestleMania. Tonight's WrestleMania, what an interesting event. I was ready to not do this. Like, about five minutes ago, I was like, I'm out. And it's because ten minutes ago, Kieran was like, I'm out. And then I was like, cool, I'm out. And then Kieran was like, wait, we're going to do this. And he gave me like this 1980s kind of pep talk. Like, uh, it was more of a threat than a pep talk, I guess, but... Yeah, so we're here. Um, it is the Celtic Tiger, Blake Norton, former coach, pro wrestler, my tag team partner, Bulletproof Kieran Gallagher, and uh, we're going to talk about WrestleMania 33. Uh, Kieran Gallagher, talk to me. It was it was more of a, a dance, <laughs> the dance around the apartment and like saying, yeah, let's do this, like, you know, um, at six o'clock in the morning. Who are you accusing than, of dancing, me or you? Uh, me, definitely. Okay, you, good. You was like nearly passed out like mm. you know uh I'm, after, I'm doing my best uh yeah well it's six o'clock here in the morning yes it is we are in ireland did i say we're in cork ireland yeah uh, no we're in cork ireland yeah uh but uh yeah um i can't wait for this like you know um, yep i fucking hate shows that talk about what they're about to talk about so let's just fucking talk about it wrestlemania 33 kieran hit me with it yeah well um i thought it was a great ma- a great show like i i i was doubting this ma- this show for a long time um, even though, even on the the podcast, the previous podcast, like you know, I've been saying, I'm uh, not not really looking forward to WrestleMania this year. But uh, it was a great, great show. Uh, there was a couple of matches that was a bit bit wonky. Actually, they were very, very dodgy. There was some bad shit, crazy I, stuff I, on I this thought damn show. As, overall, as a show uh, for for a five five hour show as well, it was such. It was a good. It was a good show. Let me tell you something. I was just thinking about this right before we started the show. And last night's NXT show, excellent show. NXT is always consistent. Five matches, two hours and about 20 minutes. Uh, clean finishes, strong characters, uh, character arcs and television that build to the storyline of the next show. They may not be at their best now. They might have been a bit stronger a year, year and a half ago when they had a lot of the guys who are now on the main roster. But I tell you, it's still logical stuff. Really strong takeover shows four times a year. Good pacing, the whole thing. Tonight's show was a... Like, as an overall concept, it was a total train wreck. It went from pro wrestling, which was pretty much just Brock and Goldberg. Was there any other pro wrestling, like, like pro wrestling match mm. on this show? Shane and AJ? Yeah. And I, I thought the first two, uh, AJ and Shane and uh, Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens, I thought they were That's pretty much... That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. But, like, you know, I got to tell you, I guess I'm paying a compliment, and I, I think so much of what uh, Goldberg did tonight, that's that's one of my three major highlights for the show. Uh, it seemed to finish with The Undertaker's retirement. Uh, we also had the return of the Hardy Boys. That was the biggest pop in the room, I think, for us. So we were yeah. in, like, a party with eight guys. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so freaking this freaking show, Kieran, kick it off from the top. Let's do this thing. Yeah, well, um, we had uh, the promo um, video package um, at the start of the show, and uh, the host of the WrestleMania 33, the New Day, came down. Um, this feels like it was 12 years ago. <laughs> well, um, yeah, and they just uh, they welcomed everyone to WrestleMania. That's your way of saying nobody could hear what they said because Rob who is a broadcasting partner of mine back in 1997, I think. We, we had to be one of the earliest uh, wrestling podcasts because you barely had podcasts at that point. It was like downloadable real audio files, if anybody remembers that format. And uh, he, he just couldn't take him. He had to turn on the uh, audio, and, and none of us disagreed. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, also, we were joking and stuff. So. <laughs> well, like uh, they do the the same stuff, uh, stuff like you know, pretty much every week. So um, you know, they've been doing for about a year or two. So it it, it gets a bit. Um, I respect them totally. I, I think you know they're over to a certain audience and they work hard and their their gimmick is very specific and they're really sharp and they're consistent. And I respect it, and it, it seems to be working in their way in the show. It's just not for me. No, well, like uh, they, 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 uh, they, they have a, they have a good, a couple of good, um, they have a, 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 a couple of mini, uh, good mini, uh, moments when, uh, when they, when they, when they're doing the promo, like you know. But I think it's just, it's just like it's, it's the same uh, stuff every week, like you know, um, and uh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, we we went in. We went uh, straight from there from uh, to uh, Shane and AJ. Now this is the start of uh, many matches in the show that felt more like exhibitions than contests. And and to me, this is an example of it. It went a good what fifteen minutes, yeah. and it was back and forth the whole time. AJ and Shane McMahon and Shane, the boss's son, who is not established to be some any kind of a consistent wrestler. I mean, he drops in and does a match maybe a couple of times a year, and then goes away for several years and. You know, he just comes in and does it, and he makes it look easy. He makes it look like any fan could walk in off the street and do it. He even dresses in street clothes, and it just, it kind of makes, it kind of marginalizes what everybody else does. So even though the match itself, technically, bell to bell, I had no issue with as two people having a match, the background of Shane McMahon and the fact that he's not a normal wrestler, and a regular wrestler, and never has been, and he's in his mid-late 40s, and he's wrestling the best wrestler in the world, and he comes this close to beating him a whole bunch of times before finally losing a very long match. I mean, fuck, good match, but concept terrible. That's my feeling. Well, like, yeah, like um, the the storyline, there was no really storyline. Like, you know, it was a, it was just thrown about thrown. A, I mean, I, I think the storyline was it, it was it was put. What I'm saying is, it was put together like uh, in in a, a week or two. Not, not, not. You don't it think it was really thought through? It, it wasn't. It wasn't built. I mean, it, wasn't it's, it built seemed, or, like, it seemed organic to me. I mean, relative to a lot of storylines, they do the idea that you know uh, Shane McMahon and, and Brian uh, Daniel Bryan were disagreeing on whether Randy Orton should get to keep his WrestleMania title shot after Randy stopped it down. Now that whole storyline that made no sense to me. The whole Randy Orton side of things, but if you consider that and the two general managers of a disagreement, and AJ steps in and gets the title shot, but then it's in dispute. From his eyes, you can understand a very natural motivation there. I, I think the dynamics of it kind of make sense. It's just the culmination of it being in a normal match and having Shane McMahon go hold for hold using his jiu-jitsu against AJ Styles well, is he, just a bizarre way to culminate that story. I, I agree with you to in a certain extent, but he is he is a leg- legitimate uh, fighter. I, I didn't see this in... Like, I've seen probably a minute of clips years ago of him doing stuff in the gym. I do not know how often he trains. I have no idea about any of this. He's always presented as a businessman who once in a while on holiday does a wrestling match. So did I miss a bunch of segments on Raw that built up how legit he is and how many years he's been fighting and showed him kicking guys in the head and knocking him out? Well... I, it wasn't on Raw, but it, it could have been on, on SmackDown. I haven't seen SmackDown. Or so. SmackDown. Yeah, yeah. Me, well, I haven't seen brand. SmackDown in a, in a while, like you know. But um, I, I know from last year with uh, Undertaker and and Shane, uh, he was he was built up as like a, a legitimate fighter. He was, and it was bizarre then too. Yeah, he was just kind of this. You know, and the Vince McMahon saying he has this a secret chest that has a family secrets, and they're up for grabs in the match, and I, the, the whole thing made no damn sense whatsoever. Yeah, it's just well, a total like, spectacle. I'm just saying, like the the fighter, the fighter part of the, the storyline. 
that was what he was built up as, like a, a legitimate fighter who's been training uh, with jiu-jitsu uh, uh, teachers and boxing uh, teachers. And the thing is, it just doesn't make sense because he spends most of his time managing and doing business paper stuff. Yeah. We see it every week. He rarely wrestles. It's like a, a hobby. Yeah. Him, like, you know, so yeah. when you drop a guy in, this is not like Brock Lesnar here. Yeah. You know, when you drop a guy in basically at random when he feels like coming in for a wrestling match not for any special reason there's no special story between him and AJ they you know I think it, it's a basic you know straightforward story but they put together in four weeks there's no necessity for Shane McMahon to come back to wrestle AJ Styles and yeah. it just felt like you know Shane proving that he could wrestle a good match which he can but from a storyline standpoint do you really want the person that is the best professional wrestler in many people's eyes in the world, and WWE pushes him in, down that vein many times, you know, well, like, often. Do you want him to be someone who goes toe-to-toe evenly with the 46-year-old commissioner? Well, like, when when you think about the the title match tonight, tonight from SmackDown, uh, like, I think that this, this, this title match, I know we're going to get into it later on, but, like, this ma- title match was so bad, yeah. I think AJ had to be in that, like, you know? He, a- AJ would have done so much better than what we got, like, you know. Uh, do, you, do you think the title match should have been a triple threat and you take out the well, drop-ins that we we'll talk I'm about not, later? I'm not even sure, but, like, it was just the stuff that Bray Wyatt did. Like, you know, it was just, it just it made no sense. Like, it just, so it was, you so, thought, you it thought was AJ- so hokey. And I know that AJ, no matter who he's against, he always make it has a like a, a really good match. Yeah, and I like going back to this match, uh, AJ versus Shane. I thought this match, bell to bell, as a match, was a really good match. I do too. It's weird. It's like when he wrestled X Pac in the nineties, and he did a lot of athletic stuff, and it was the Attitude Era, and it was this wacky cartoon show. It wasn't always conducive, but X Pac was like this kind of like mid card goofy, you know, kind of taggy guy, cruiserweighty guy. And, you know, so he wasn't this serious, like, main event character that Shane McMahon was going toe-to-toe with. And he, he's had feuds with, with main event guys as well. But when you put him in the ring with a guy who, you know, he dominated the SmackDown brand and he dropped the belt to John Cena uh, at Royal Rumble. And he is considered the best worker in the company by, I think, probably the majority of the audience and probably internally as well. And so to have him go toe-to-toe with Shane just makes AJ look ineffective. If he gets in the ring with a 46-year-old commissioner dude, he should beat him in 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. He's AJ Styles. Aren't you trying to make a superstar here? Yeah. You know, if Shane wants to do this, he should do it with like Baron Corbin, yeah, you know, yeah. or, you know, someone in, in that at that level where you can feel good about that. Like, look, this guy is not a main event guy anyway, so we like Shane and we can enjoy this match and Shane can win or Shane can lose, whatever. You know, losing is probably the right way to matter what the situation but we don't won't resent it but you take the best wrestler in the world and you make him look like he's on the same level as shane mcmahon that just lowers his stock yeah and, and aj did a great job yeah yeah but yeah like just this this match um i think you know i think the story was uh, aj took uh, shane too lightly and shane uh, surprised him with uh, his his jiu-jitsu uh, training and uh, his boxing training and they they went toe-to-toe pretty much back and forth uh, we we did a, they did a, a bit of a uh, wrestling uh, chain wrestling at the start um, and then it went felt uh, went into a, a like a, bo- a boxing slash brawling uh, match for a while like you know and then submission and then uh, AJ uh, took out the ref by uh, accident 
Um, so the ref was out and um, he brought in the, the bins, uh, the, the trash, tank, tra- uh, trash can- cans. Yeah, the American trash cans. And um, he was gone for the, to- uh, the coast-to-coast um, drop kick. Um, uh, Shane, um, Shane telegraphed this and uh, hit uh, AJ with the trash can as he came off the top rope. That was that was uh, an interesting that spot. Was, that was a good uh, spot, yeah, yeah. And then when uh, Shane went for the to- coast to coast to coast himself and hit it, like, you know, yeah. um, and uh, AJ kicked out. Um, and, yeah, from then, then on, it went back and forth from, like, a, a wrestling match, then a brawling match to a, a submission match into a like a weapons match back and forth. Um, really, really technically, yeah. it's, it's kind of that and Goldberg Brock are the two best matches on the show, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, just the end of this match was um, Shane... Um, Shane... Uh, uh, Shane... Going for the shooting star press? Yeah, Shane went for a shooting star press and um, uh, AJ uh, uh, moved out of the way and uh, did the f- from, uh, f- phenomenal, phenomenal forearm from uh, the top rope. And that was it. And that was the finish. Yeah, yeah, it was, you know, I just heard myself say, I think this along with the Goldberg-Brock matches were the two best technical matches on the show. Yeah. It's so bizarre to hear that come out my mouth because I know the reputation that Goldberg has in particular. Um, but that is truly how I feel. That bell-to-bell in terms of tight, sharp, decisive, strong work, crowd consistently into it, uh, people building an interest up to the finish. I feel those are the two matches that really accomplished it. The Hardys match was very over too, of course, mm. but we'll get to that later on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, that was... I, I thought... I, I thought about belt bell it was a good match um Jesus and a good, Christ, you talked about this for long enough yeah it was good it was good a uh, good opener and uh, we went on to uh uh Jericho versus uh Kevin Owens for the uh US title man <laughs> um again another good match it, it was it was interesting it was um the crowd I thought they were going to be more interested in through it. Uh, Kevin Owens has done a great job of being a genuinely dislikable heel because he's he's very talented and he's very witty and people naturally do like him and there's a lot of people he could fight that the crowd would have a tough time healing him against. And I think Jericho's done a good job of being a babyface. It's not the John Cena too smiley babyface. He's got kind of an edge to him and kind of a smirk to him and that's really good. You know, you need a little bit of, of fun. You need to show a little bit of dimension. And uh, so Jericho's entrance is fantastic. The people went nuts for him, but it didn't really sustain during the match. You know, they didn't really I, want to see these guys I, fight I, I each think, other. I think Jericho as well. He's 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 still um, riding the wave of the the heel um, popularity popularity that he was getting. Like you know, um, well, I, I tell you that the character he's playing. I think if you took it further and made it really fun. But it has to be fun belt to bell. It can't be just promos. You know what I mean? When he gets in the ring, he essentially does the same. Like he he said, uh, drink it in, man, at one point in the match. And it was hilarious when he was doing a dive from the top to the floor. And we loved it. But the rest of the match was just a Chris Jericho match. And he's reinvented his persona and his promos last year. But he hasn't reinvented his ring style. So even though... uh, That should be okay, I think. There we go. But good work in pointing that out. Yeah, we just thought the whole system crashed. But we're okay. Um... But with Chris Jericho, um, the promo stuff that's so great, 
it's not reflected in the story he tells within his match. You know what I mean? It's just a normal match. And people always are quiet for Jericho's matches up till the Lion Tamer spot. And then they go crazy for the finishers. And they like his entrance because they really like him. But the actual in-ring style, he kind of needs to change it up towards the person he is now and make it more fun to watch because it really is just watching a guy have a very good but not particularly entertaining in any one particular category way. He doesn't come across like a killer or like a comedian. He's kind of somewhere in, in a marshy ground. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, this match um, uh, finished with... Um, they were both outside, and uh, Je- uh, Owens went for the bat powerbomb onto the apron, um, and uh, he uh, rolled Jericho back in and uh, pinned him clean. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Owens is now your new world uh, uh, US t- t- uh, champion. So, uh, yep, that happened. What's next? Um, the women's match. The women's match. <laughs> uh, Charlotte. Oh, yeah. Ken- uh, Nia Jax, Bailey, and uh, Shasha Banks. Watching this match, when I saw the entrances, it struck me like a thunderbolt how less these girls are over now than they were a year ago. Charlotte's doing okay because she's a heel, but she certainly, she was stronger at many points in the last year, two years, uh, since she came up to the to the Raw brand. Uh, Bailey, they have killed when she made her surprise debut at a pay-per-view last fall, and then she was gone for a month, and then she made a proper debut. She was so over. Those first few weeks, people loved her. They adored her. And now they've done this, like, first of all, if you're going to put the belt on her, she wrestled Charlotte in the Alamodome in front of 60,000 people in January. And then something like two weeks later on Raw, after losing to Charlotte at the Alamodome, where the moment would have been made, and clearly, okay, that's not the route we're going. We're going to tell a different story. No, they just did the Bailey beating Charlotte two weeks later on normal television. I, I actually thought she was doing uh, okay up till the the Royal Rumble, and then from then on, she's gone down on uh, downhills f- fast. Like, People you know. would have taken her winning at the Rumble. Yeah, like if that's what you wanted to do, that was the place to do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's and like it's like not doing the big big uh, reveal in the movies, saving it for the the weekly episodic TV show. It makes no sense. And 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 I was I was up for her losing at uh, Royal Rumble mm-hmm. if if they would just hold it up, hold it on um, the the title um, win. She had to till, work, work till, it back up again till till WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. I thought the first title match, the the first title run for Bailey should have been started tonight. Like you know, right? Yeah, Bailey is a character that can lose and should. The babyface oftentimes should lose. I cannot tell you the times of my. Uh, time when when I was wrestling and when Kieran was wrestling and I was booking him where we lost a lot of matches and because it's important to always have an obstacle and the first time you face a guy especially a guy who's bigger or stronger or you know more experienced than you or more naturally gifted and that's the story with Bailey and uh, Charlotte um, that the first time you wrestle them you don't win because you know that's what life is, and that's what that's what Bailey is. Like Goldberg is a different animal. Goldberg is like you win nineteen nine, and then when you lose one, it means something. Bailey is she's the work your way up the ladder. She's the Daniel Bryan, and there are matches you should lose, and there's matches you should win. But if you're gonna put the belt on her, put it on her either at the Rumble or keep the chase going. Have her lose a time or two in in between. That's fine as long as you make her character consistently likable and sincere and hardworking and 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 that kind of thing. Or keep it till WrestleMania. Either one, fine. But just they did such a bad job. Uh, I'm 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 not I'm not a, a fan of this. But I think what they were trying to say 
during the past the past couple of months is that um, Bailey winning the title on Raw and then um, keeping it. She was she wasn't deserving of keeping the title and uh, winning tonight um, clean against the four, the three other uh, uh, competitors. Um, I think that was the they, payoff. They did, the payoff, did, like you know. I think but you're I don't right. Think, I think I don't they did a terrible job of telling idea. that story. Yeah, you know, I think yeah. you're you're right. That's what they think in their heads. Yeah. But they made her look like an, a genuinely undeserving champion. Yeah. You know, they, they yeah. didn't. She wasn't sympathetic. Well, like we 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 uh, payback. We yeah, covered we, that we, Sasha uh, we, Banks yeah, yeah, interfered yeah. not once just, but twice to help her win the belt. It was just know? it was just so stupid. It was, it was so heelish. She was totally heelish. Like she shouldn't be tonight. Made her the legit champ, but she didn't want her to be because she cheated last time and, and didn't care enough to actually mm. apologize or give the belt back yeah yeah you know so so yeah so it was it was a weird match yeah uh, um well uh d- it was a lem- elimination um match yeah um we had a nile going out first um with um all three women uh i'm gonna uh, say nine not particularly over tonight none of the like charlotte was the most over tonight and yeah. i want to say as well before you go on that uh, Sasha Banks, she, like, last year when she came out Snoop Dogg, she was so fucking hot. And it wasn't that one night. She was so hot at the Rumble when she showed up and turned on Charlotte. She was hot for months. You know, like, she was a really hot character last year. And they have just made her into this wishy-washy, kind of likable, kind of unlikable kind of person you just don't really want to hang around anymore. Yeah. Like, they, the triple threat last year was Becky, Charlotte, and... Um, uh, fucking Sasha Banks, man, that was that was so hot relative to this. It is so sad to see that the more you're on WWE television, like Goldberg, like so many of these guys, the worse over you get, not the more over you get, and that's yeah. that's just you know that's just bad storytelling. Um, yeah, well, like I was saying, like you know, it was a elimination uh, match, and uh, we had a uh, Nia going out first um, with uh, all three other women. Um, uh, covering her and uh, for the pin, and they made him come across even more heelish than they kind of were during their entrance, where none of them were super over. Yeah, um, so we had um, left with um, Sha- Sasha Bailey and uh, Charlotte. Charlotte exposed one of the turnbuckles and um, drop kick, uh, drop toe hold um, Sasha's face into the ex- uh, exposed uh, turnbuckle and uh, pinned her. That so- that felt like it came out of nowhere, and even when they showed the replay, it was like. She got pinned by that. Yeah, it well, didn't, it didn't even look like the turnbuckle was off. Yeah, part of the they, they they didn't take the like Charlotte exposed it, but the ton the turnbuckle was still like half on. Like you know, the match so. just didn't have time to get great. Yeah, you know, it, it felt like one. It felt like when they got Nia out, like the night before uh, last night with NXT, they had a triple tag match, and it was the Authors of Pain versus DIY versus uh, the Revival. And they went, like, I don't know how long, but I want to say 15 minutes or so before doing the first elimination. So they really, like, it felt, I think it was like a half an hour match overall. It certainly felt like it. They fit so much in. And this, when it got to the three girls, it needed to go a while. And they're good workers, and they can. And they had some really nice spots. Charles did a, corks, Charles did a corkscrew moonsault, which I didn't realize was until the replay. It was beautiful. Uh, they did some really nice spots, nice counters, nice bits and pieces, but the characters are just so dead, and the match is way too short. If it was five or ten minutes longer, I think people would have gotten more into it before the finishes happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we were left with uh, Bailey and uh, Charlotte, and uh, Bailey went over clean with uh, the Macho Man uh, elbow from the top, which looks like a finisher change because she didn't even tease the uh, belly to belly 
Yeah, yeah, but like last week on Raw, she won it with uh, the belly, belly to belly. So, so it, it's, sure. it's weird, but like it's like Daniel Bryan debuted the running knee against John Cena in a big win at SummerSlam 2013. It feels like it's very random to just have her win with a B move over your biggest foe. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it feels like they've switched to it. You know, so we'll we'll see. But it, as of tonight, it feels like they switched to it. Yeah. Um, weird time for her to go over, and I just wish that. Like, her entrance is so cool with the giant inflatable wacky tube men. Uh, and they had giant ones by the ring and all the colors. It was so great. And I just wish that it was the NXT Bailey that got to do this entrance where everybody loved her because her character was just natural and personable and flowing. And this character, the way she's been scripted the last four or five months, is just not all that likable. She comes across as long-winded and kind of... Uh, a bit whiny and and just yeah it's just she's not being handled correctly it's it's unfortunate yeah uh going go, uh, moving on to uh the tag team title match on raw um with uh, the the bullet club Enzo and Cass Sheamus and Cesaro and the new um entrance the Hardy Boys this was I you know I knew there's a five percent chance I mean like you know I knew there was negotiations going on the Wrestling Observer uh, over at WrestlingObserver.com our friends over there you know been talking about it the last couple of weeks um, but you know I didn't expect this to happen WWE doesn't often do the big hot shot thing like that you know ECW used to be great at that like every show they would have a big surprise every single show WWE tends to draw things out and attend things they oftentimes hit the mark a bit late. And with the Hardys jumping in, the day after the Hardys are wrestling in a Ring of Honor pay-per-view, like it really came out of left field. Mm-hmm. And they did so far as, I don't remember if it was yourself or one of the guys in the room we were watching the show with, uh, but they pointed out that it was New Day that came out because they're the hosts of WrestleMania to add the fourth team to the match. And when they came out, they were dressed in their ring gear. So that yeah. teased that they were going to be the team. Yeah. And initially I thought this could actually be the Hardys. And then some, whoever it was, yourself or whoever pointed out the ring gear, and I was like, oh, no. And then they said, you know, we're going to make this a four-team match, but they didn't say their names. And I thought, that's interesting phrasing. And each line, this is like one of the most impactful moments of the show to me, each line, me kind of measuring each line and the meaning of each line. And by the third line, you're thinking, they're not talking about themselves, and they start to build up who could we possibly get? And they had these long pauses and the fans started chanting. Uh, what did they start chanting? Um, it was either like Brother Nero. Bro- Brother or, Nero was one of them. De- Broken delete, Mash, delete, delete, delete. Yeah. And so, I mean, they were inviting. And as every moment went by, I, like, I turned to the guys and I said, you know, it has to be them like 50%, 60%, 70%, 80%. You know, and it reached a point that if it wasn't them, the fans were going to destroy it. You know, if it was if it was the New Day finally said, ourselves, the fans would have destroyed them. And it really felt like, you know, are they going to pull the trigger? And they did. And I don't know the long-term viability of this because they clearly are coming back as their old gimmick. They're we're using their same music from 1998. And Jeff has dressed the same and... Uh, uh, Matt has that slight change in his look to be bro- to be a broken Matt Hardy, um, but the way they conducted themselves as characters during the match, they used very little of those mannerisms and came more across as like playing the same place that they they were twenty years ago. And so for the night, it was 
absolutely fantastic. I love both guys. I love how they reinvented themselves. But here's the thing. It would break my heart if this great creative work, this reinvention they've accomplished the last couple of years that has been so inspiring and so interesting and what you need to do in wrestling or music or any art to evolve, if that all grinds to a halt now, and like the Dudley Boys two years ago, they come back and wind up doing a nostalgia tour, just rehashing what they did 15 years ago, just a little bit slower until people lose their, their spark and their interest in what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that, that'll be interesting to see what they do with uh, with the Hardys in, in the future. But uh, for tonight, it was one of my highlights of the show. It was a great... It makes it an absolutely memorable WrestleMania. Yeah, it, Far, yeah. I think it's... A, that moment, I think, is the best thing since Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was it was great. The the crowd loved it. Uh, we all loved it. Yeah. It was just Genu- a great... Genuine surprise. It was Yeah, it was just a great, great moment. WrestleMania moment. It was. It was. God bless them in their storytelling. Um, yeah. Um, uh, anyway, like, um, they won the, uh, they won the match as well. Like, you know... Um, yeah, they did a ladder match. It was really yeah. interesting how it was laid out. It was a four-team ladder match as it turned out. And uh, they kind of had the other four guys, in, uh, the, the other, uh, I guess, six, six guys in six the match. Guys. Yeah, uh, Cesaro and Sheamus. Uh, as you said, the Bullet Club, Gallows and Anderson. And who the hell was the third team? Enzo and Cass. Enzo and Cass. Uh, they had the three of those. Uh, those guys worked together mostly, and it was like Jeff and Matt came in for special spots. Yeah. I think partially because they must have been... Like, last night, they, I haven't seen the match yet, well, but I heard they destroyed themselves last night for Ring of Honor. And well, then like, they, 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 they dominated for the past the first, uh, like, two or three minutes, and then, like, they just disappeared until yeah, the Yeah, and they came end. in for special spots. And I'll tell you, Matt had to twist, twist a fade off the ladder. He looked miserable after he hit that. He, he looked like he jacked his tailbone. He did not <laughs> look like a happy bunny. Uh, the finish of the match came when Jeff Hardy... Uh, went to top a very tall ladder, and he was going to do the swanton. It was one of those like special ladders, like yeah. you know, like a like an extra a Viagra ladder. Yeah, like a <laughs> it was like an extra like meter or two, like you know. Yeah, um, this was was this as tall as the one he dove off famously in two thousand one at WrestleMania X? I I think so. I think so. It feels in the yeah. same range. Yeah, it did yeah. not feel shorter than anything I remember. Um, uh, and so yeah, he he did the dive, on, and there's the two guys on two ladders in front of him. One was Sheamus. One was Cesaro. Yeah. And uh, he only went through Cesaro, and Sheamus intuitively rolled off to kind of punctuate it. Uh, so he didn't go through both, which is... There was... Unfo- like there he, was yeah, go on. He did the best job he could. Like, he was so high up there. He couldn't push off hard because he, the ladder would have fallen into the audience. I mean, he was so high up, so... There, there was, like, two ladders um, uh, stacked up um, against, like, with the barricade and the, the apron... Um, uh, across the across there, like you know. Yeah. Um, so it was essentially like a table setup with the yeah, ladders across. Yeah. Yeah, and Seamus and Cesaro were both lying down. Um, and then she- she- uh, Chef Hardy did the Swanton bomb after big ladder onto those two, and uh, he only went through Cesaro. Yeah, it was. Um, I tell you, there's always a, a screw up. Like, every big Jeff Hardy match is a screw-up. I think it worked. I think it was absolutely fine. Yeah. You know, like, like, like I think of the one where he was trying to walk across the tops of ladders. I think that was also the 2001 match. I think so. Um, yeah, we're going to have to set this up. Um, screen keeps going off. It's cool. Um, I think that was the 2001 match as well, where he tried to walk across the top of the ladders, and uh, it, it didn't work. You know, he fell down. 
And that's part of why he's so lovable. And that goes to the, the whole thing of being a baby face and being someone who will take risks that don't always pay off, you mm-hmm. know? And so, yeah, he went through one. He did the best job he possibly could. It didn't look for a second like he screwed up. And when you look at the replay, he did everything he could to get his body weight evenly distributed uh, across both guys. And this is the night after a major ladder match with the Young Bucks for Ring of Honor, which is just nuts. And these guys, Jeff is 40 this year, Matt is uh, 43, and they've been doing this stuff for 20 years. And man, God bless these guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, when uh, when uh, Jeff Hardy went through uh, Cesaro, uh, Matt was in the ring and uh, he uh, climbed up and uh, got the belts. Yes, he did. And uh, it was a great, great, uh, great match and a great moment. Okay, let's move the hell on. Um, we had a uh, Cena and Nikki Bella versus oh, yeah. uh, the Miz and Maurice. This was this was fascinating. Cena made. Miz, they basically, most of the match was just Cena and Miz. And Cena, Miz beat up Cena for a long time. I want to say like six minutes, something like that. Yeah. You know, a good long time. But like, like beat him up. Did not just like cheat to do well, but beat him up. And, and Cena sold for him like he was a top guy at his level. And uh, which was interesting because the match sort of wasn't a very intuitive payoff to the promos. Like this feud is about who has a better relationship. The answer to that is not really within a wrestling match. Now, to be fair, with the finish, that's what they were trying to do, of course, with the proposal that we're going to talk about now. But So the match itself, uh, Cena sells for Miz for ages. Nikki d- makes a hot tag, does a comeback. I, 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 I actually think Cena did all that selling just for Nikki's uh, hot tag. Yeah, it, he set her up for the hot tag. Yeah. Uh, and But he did make Miz look really great. And he is on his way out, so it makes sense. Uh, that he would at least do something to try and make Miz look credible, which he did, you know, as best yeah. you can if you're going and, over in an and also, match. And, and also, the Miz is very, really o- over. I, I, in this feud, he certainly is, and it did translate pretty well to the match. Yeah. You know, people did pretty much stay with it. Um, so, yeah, so uh, Nikki uh, does a comeback. They, yeah, well, like, Nikki came in, beat up Maurice for a little while, and then they, they both did their finisher on Miz and Maurice. Um, they did the uh, five-knuckle five shuffle both together, and then uh, they did F5 the... Fi- the pins, yeah, yeah, like the AA. AA yeah, yeah. They both did that, and uh, they both got a, the, the, the pin at the same time. Yeah. Um, uh, Nikki and uh, John Cena. Yeah, so that was that. And then uh, John proposed to her. He told this story that is not really believable. I, I mean, maybe I, it's somewhat I, like, true, but I, it didn't... I, 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 I'm not the biggest John Cena fan. You know me, I, I pretty much, I can't stand the guy. But I, I, I don't, I couldn't really understand what he was talking about with all this, uh, this uh, story. Like, you know, what, what, what do you think? <sighs> I think that, I think that there's real pieces to this because they are really in a relationship. They're also reality television stars, and it's not like Nikki didn't know this is going to happen, you know? They're telling a story, and granted, I mean, when you talk about Savage and Liz, Randy Savage and Elizabeth in 1991, they'd already been married for since, like, 1984. They actually wound up getting divorced the year after they, on television, got married, but there's... The character arcs were such that 
over the years, Savage, uh, you know, Liz had been as a valet for a year or two, and then they had this terrible breakup, and then Liz managed people against him, and then Savage was down and out, and Liz came to be at his side, and they made up, and it was this, you know, four or five year story. It was just this beautiful big arc, and then Savage asked her to marry him. And yes, it helps that back in the day we knew less, we didn't have the internet and all the information that we have now, but the way the story was told, it wouldn't have mattered really, because there was such genuine... It's such a great, genuine story yeah. um, with Savage retiring in the end and, and going to be with her. And it changed later on in his career, but that story worked great. And this one was like, um, yeah, it just wasn't fully, you know, people looked for They didn't crap on it. And I I think John is a wonderful performer. I got all the respect in, in the world for these guys. God bless them. This is a television show. And I am not deeply invested in these characters doing this marriage thing you know um there will be fans who are and god bless you and that's cool and i wish john and nikki all the best you know i've only got good vibes for them but this proposal thing it didn't feel like something we were clamoring for they've only barely acknowledged that they're a couple on tv in the last six months or so yeah. you know it's not like it was this long-term story it was totally taboo until they just brought it up and decided to shoot it for total diva so it feels very manufactured yeah you know we didn't yeah. we didn't see it gently coming along it was just like oh we'll do this great nikki and john have been together for five years we didn't mention it but da, 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 you know so well i i i don't think it's anywhere near as good as Savage and Liz, no, um, no. They, I, I, I got like I still watch that um, that segment t- today, and I still get the the emotion. Oh, I get, of, I get the chills, uh, man! I watch uh, yeah. WrestleMania Seven, and I watch the proposal, and they're, yeah, they're, like, they're fantastic. You know, like, uh, I get that emotion from both Randy and Elizabeth, and but you, tonight and, I yep. just didn't get anything. No, and and. You know, except, even, except a, a story that I didn't even understand. And, and even yeah, John told a story about how Nick was going for surgery like a year and a half earlier, and she was in a in a state where she wouldn't remember because she was under anesthetic. And he asked her, he told her, "Someday I'm going to marry you." And then, uh, um, and then every week since then, she has asked him to tell her what he said when she was half under. And he has said, when the time is right. And it just came across very manufactured. I do not believe this happened. If it did, God bless him. It does not sound like something that would happen in a real life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah. So that happened. And with Savage and Liz as well, the commentary, you had Vince and you had Roddy Piper. And Savage was petrified to ask her. And Savage played that nervousness. And this, like, he was so intimidated that he could be turned down here. He was like this big you know, macho, gorilla, animalistic character who was so intense, but he was humbled because this, this cute, sweet little little lady, he wanted her love and he wanted to share his life with her. And he was so nervous and his eyes were so wide and he hesitated and he was scared and he was sweating and he was just kind of meek and he was so small and he was so low. And you went, oh my God, God bless this man, this big towering man. In, in the eyes of love, he is scared and he feels small and he feels worried that what if my love doesn't come true so you had this beautiful big dynamic whereas with john and nikki it felt like they're reading off a script and they both knew where this is going right from the start yeah you know what i mean so it's like days of our lives versus an actual really actually quite nice sweet family movie you know yeah um moving on uh we got a triple h versus uh seth rollins moving on what's after that (laughs) um (laughs) we got Seth Rollins and Triple H, um, what do you think of this match? 
it's another there's so many I, I'll say this a few times tonight I think I've said it a few times already Hunter is so like Shane in that the match he wrestles is really impressive he is a very talented pro wrestler and this match was a very good match the crowd was not much into this match uh, because, again, it was this guy who comes back once a year in incredible shape for the glory of doing it, and he's not like a real fight. Can you imagine in UFC if a guy just, you know, fought once a year and always, you know, beat or was the next best to the top guy in the company, you know, but he only fought once a year? And it would make everybody else in the company, especially if you only got one weight division, uh, seem small by comparison. That's what happened with Shane, even though AJ uh, won the match. And that's what happened here, even though Seth won the match. It's like... This should not be, and, and I felt the same in the main event with The Undertaker and Roman Reigns. I did not believe these young guys could really, if they were any good, be dragged to a 25-minute match with the opponents they had who were, you know, in their 40s or 50s. You know, it just didn't, and weren't, weren't regular wrestlers. It, yeah. it didn't it didn't make sense from a larger context. Yeah. Um, Hunter's entrance was extremely enjoyable. I laughed my ass off. <laughs> well, I just, I, 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 I really enjoyed it. Like oh, well, I, I, fucking, I, I said I like, to you, yeah. I said to you that, uh, when we were watching it. I just, I don't know how Triple H actually thinks he looks cool when he's doing these things. Like, it's you know? hilarious. I, I, I see the same Triple H from twenty years ago. He's like, he's always in a suit and stuff. But then once a year, it's like this is what I said tonight. Like once a year, he and his wife get together and play dress up, and it's. It's it's awesome. It's hokey. It's goofy. It's silly, and it's awesome. You know, it's so much, like it's it's the goofiest thing in the world. In my world, it's the goofiest thing that I know, and it's very enjoyable. Like tonight, they were escorted to the ring by, by like a dozen police mo- like <laughs> on, motorcycles in, in, on motorcycles. Yeah, yeah, a dozen or so, and they were riding this big like Mad Max kind of style yeah. bike, and with uh, like real big frowns on their faces. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, Seth wrestled. They had a match. Yeah, they did they, stuff. People kicked out of stuff. Um, I I did like the 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 end of this match. That's the one thing I did like about this match. I thought because, the finish, I, like it was, it was as at least as good as I could have expected. Well, like with with Stephanie pretty much burying everyone left, right, and center on Raw, uh, and she's getting out of control on this on this uh, subject. But uh, I thought. She she got a comeuppance tonight with a hit, uh, Triple H hitting her by accident uh, after apron uh, to through a table. I really um, feel that this match would have been way more fun if Samoa Joe and Finn Balor Finn Balor got involved. I think it would have been way more fun, mm-hmm. you know, if you just got a couple more. Like, this is that kind of match, same as he had with Sting. They did the run-ins uh, two years ago at the NWO and DX. It's a, it's a kind of goofy story. It's a fun story. It's a bouncy story. If you try to make it this really serious, epic match, it just falls apart. Mm-hmm. It just it, it isn't credible enough to be that. It has to be more fun, you know, and mm-hmm. it needs a bit more energy and some more bodies. Uh, and Mick Foley is the guy I was thinking of. Yeah. So, like, if they brought down Samoa Joe and then Mick Foley came out and he, you know, soccoed whoever, uh, uh, Hunter, and then Hunter turned into Stephanie and knocked her off or whatever like that, you know? And it was an even interference. It doesn't, Seth doesn't have to beat Hunter clean. I mean, the fact that Seth beat Hunter without interference, like back and forth, almost says like they think it's important for Seth to pin, beat Hunter as if Hunter has that level of credibility. Hmm. He doesn't. 
You know, so them trying to tell us that this is a big deal. This shouldn't be a big deal. Hmm. Hunter should not be portrayed at this level. Ric Flair at this age was not portrayed at that level. Yeah. You know what I mean? He he was a fabulous main eventer, but he was putting guys over left, right, and center, you know? Yeah. I, he didn't come across like he was like beating people up and dominating them in that way, you know? He always had to cheat to get ahead. Well, like uh, I, like I said in the, uh, during the show, like, you know... To me, I wouldn't even have Triple H versus Seth Rollins on the show. Mm. Um, I I think the whole storyline has been really wacky and uh, like you know it's it's been it's been a train wreck like from the very start. Um, the only thing that I would like I liked about this was uh, the finish because uh, there was a bit of a, a jostling for uh, the pedigree from both both the wrestlers and um, then uh, Seth did a <coughs> super kick um, and knocked uh, Triple H um, against uh, Stephanie on off and then uh, he knocked her off the apron through a table like you know uh, then Triple H came uh, turned around and uh, Seth Rollins did a pedigree and uh, cl- uh, pinned him clean. For me, the one thing that would have made this match memorable or substantial is if Seth used the curb stomp to beat him. Yeah, you know that would have that would have regained his identity. Part of the, you know, subversion of his character was that he took and- Hunter's finish for his, his own. And tonight he used Hunter's finish again, which kind of defeats the story that they're trying to well, tell. Like, uh, as well, like, you know, last last week on Raw, like, you know, he was, he, uh, Seth Rollins was saying, like, he is, he was ashamed with the the guy he he become when when he be, uh, when he met uh, Triple H. And, um, you know... But yet he'll use his move if it's convenient. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, like, the way to take your identity back is by using the the finisher you, you were using before you met Triple H. And if you absolutely can't use the curb stomp, which to me makes no sense because I see the little kids try to pedigree each other. Like, that's one of the biggest moves I see little kids try to do all the time. And it's so... The curb stomp is no worse than any other move. If you want to change the name, fair enough. But, I mean, kids try to do all sorts of stupid stupid shit on each other all the time. The curb stomp is no more than any of the other ones. Yeah. You know, they try to tombstone each other and elbow each other and, and stuff. So, it's, it's absurd that that move is banned. But... If if it has to be banned, he should just pick a different move altogether. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, maybe the jumping knee that broke John Cena's nose. Um, yeah, but like, yeah, like like I said, like you know, I I was um I wasn't a fan of this match being a part of the the card, and I wasn't really a fan of it um, bell to bell. But I did like the finish, and that's. A worked That's hard, right. technically good match, yeah. just the context of the story didn't work for me. Yeah. Uh, we got uh, onto the, the the music segment, um, oh, which was yeah. hilarious with uh, Pitbull, um, Flo Rida, and uh, Lunch Money Lewis. Um, uh, that went on. laugh in the room. You love this. That was hilarious, I thought, like, you know, and it went on for about maybe six or seven minutes, and it was a great. Um, it was a great, uh, like, segue um, from the wrestling, like, you know, uh, I thought, like, you know... Um, but I have never felt that way about music, but if you're going to have a five-hour show, you might as well. Oh, well, it was, like, not the best music, but uh, I, it was it was entertaining. Um, I, I liked it, like, you know... Well, we, 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 we all enjoyed it because there's eight of us, and we were yeah. drinking and smoking and laughing our butts off, so... You know, you know. I, I thought it was, was watching great... this on my own. I wouldn't have been too impressed by. It. But again, the show's five hours. You're gonna have to get up and go move around and do stuff. It, like with eight guys, like you know, like drinking and smoking, as you said. Like you know, uh, we had a we had a good time listening to the music. Like you know, um, then we we went back into wrestling and uh, we had a Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt, and okay, this match was absolutely okay. diabolical. I cannot 
I cannot overstate this. They did this gimmick. A couple of years ago, 2009, I believe it was, Matt and Jeff Hardy did a feud. And he did this thing where Matt Hardy, Jeff Jeff's house burned down. I, I believe this happened in real life. And Matt Hardy said it was him. And it was this fire killed Jeff's dog. And Matt Hardy took credit for it on WWE television. And I remember they had this segment where they're in the ring on Mike's Live. And they're playing sad music over it as they're having this live promo. And it was the hokiest, worst, dirt, worst um, B, C-level, you know, junk that you've ever seen. And during this match, three different times to my count, they cut to close-ups of bugs and insects and worms crawling around each other and said that this is what Bray was teleporting into Randy Orton's head. Did I get any of that wrong, Kieran? No. What in the <laughs> hell? It was disgusting. It was absurd. It was nonsensical. The crowd died. Like, the crowd was looking at this like, they, what they, is the, this? The crowd didn't know what to make of this. Like, I don't know. even know how they saw it. I guess it showed up on the big screen. But, like, yeah. as if you were at home in the dark room, it's all you see. The crowd didn't have that experience that we did because, obviously, the ring didn't turn into worms for, you know, the 10 seconds that they were crawling. Like, this is like a close-up. Like, your face is right in there. If you're squeamish, this was not only terrible storytelling and, and the context of a pro wrestling show made no sense, it was actually disgusting and off-putting. It made me not want to watch the show. It, it was like, this is one of the most re repulsive things. I talk about bad booking and things that irritate me like this. This was flat out repulsive. And that is a rare, rare level of repulsion that you reach. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Um I thought the whole storyline was pretty hokey itself, but like this just made just this was the cherry on the top. Like you know, like I, I just it made no sense, and it just it was just disgusting, as you were saying in in the ring. Like you know, um, yeah, I'm not sure what to say more. About it, like that. this like, is the know. same company that Jake the Snake Roberts wrestled for. Could they look back at his? feud structure and his promos and how they presented him and see how completely off the rails this character has gone which one uh randy orton <laughs> both of them i both guess them, yeah. i'm thinking bray you know because in theory it's bray doing this magic yeah. you know but randy orton burned the guy's house two weeks ago so he's no better either mm. like that's and that's absurd he was saying he was uh apparently um randy burnt his uh house to kill his like the 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 spirit of his sister sister Abigail, but um, Bray was saying like he's now re reborn as sister Abigail, and it just it it made no sense. Like you know the the story, like you know um it, it that is, they were making they were trying it, to say they're like literally you know. making up this random gibberish, and they think they're Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, it, it this is not their forte. Mm -hmm. this, this makes no... And in a pro wrestling context, this kind of story would never work, even if it's wonderfully written. The closest you'll ever get is like the broken mat and that kind of goofy stuff because there's a consistency to the narrative. It makes fun of itself. It knows what it is. This took itself seriously. Mm -hmm. This thought that it was a serious, dramatic match and that we would be scared and horrified and worried for Randy. I, you know, it, you it, know was, like, it was cringy. The, the one the, the 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 best thing about it was as well like he did it three times um he he, he did his uh like backwards um like walk thing like you know the and that's yeah 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 and that's when the the images would uh play on the on uh, in the in the ring um and the the third and final time he did it 
Um, it came on. It came. It went off. He pulled out. He he did his uh, walk thing, like you know, his crab walk. Um, he got back on two feet and he walked in and he got an RKO. <laughs> And and that was the end of the match, you know. And and Randy Orton beat uh, Bray Wyatt, and he's new, the new world title, uh, world world heavyweight champion. Like you know. Please give us Randy Orton versus AJ Styles immediately, and yeah. get us out of the dreck of both AJ and Randy's current feuds. Bray Wyatt seems so hot when he won an elimination chamber, and this story has been terrible. This match, like the story of this match, was inconceivable. It has gone off the rails from day one. This has been brutal. Yeah, I I can't really say much uh, much more than that. Like you know, but uh, I agree with every word every word you just said. Like you know, uh, moving on, uh, we we had a uh, Goldberg versus Lesnar next. Uh, this was a great match. I thought like, this you know. was I you know with Rob and we mentioned him earlier, Rob Noonan, filmmaker here in Cork. He's working with us on the Working Class Heroes film. Is a project we're on right now. And uh, me and him have been friends for 20, 25 years. We've been watching uh, wrestling together for, since 1994. And um, he's still not a fan of Goldberg. But, um, you know, until a couple of weeks ago, he was saying that he thinks it's going to be like a three-minute match. And I was saying the whole time, I said, I hope the original match, the booking was right with him beating Lesnar. That was fantastic. The booking of him beating Owens, I thought, was very poor because it made him seem undeserving. And the first match back to get, you know, two Spears, Jack Hammer finish, that's amazing. But the second match, you have to prove that you can still wrestle. You know, it's part of... Because if you just get a spear and a jackhammer over a guy who people see as, you know, WWE is such an open, kayfabe-free environment these days, they present Kevin Owens as this journeyman who's wrestled for 20 years and, you know, wrestles every night and and is on Raw every single week and wrestles these hardcore matches and ladder matches and has been through the wars. And they present him this way. So if you have Goldberg just sort of beat him in this distraction finish, which it's like Bailey all over again winning the Women's Championship from Charlotte with Sasha's help, Chris Jericho came out to distract and at fast lane the fans really lost their steam for goldberg it was already on its way down because they didn't have a fresh story after he came back to fight for his son in that first match they didn't start a new story and tell the story of this 50 year old man who wants to inspire people and he knows every fight could be his last and that he can feel the ache and the pains he knows he's not as fast as he used to be but god god damn it he's going to give it his best and fight and he's going to win every match he can until he can't do it anymore and they didn't tell us that story they didn't really tell any particular story really the character just stopped evolving and the fans have grown restless and the whole entrance was so cringeworthy because they didn't chant Goldberg hardly at all and they had that giant long entrance and this is where they expected these thunderous Goldberg chants like Survivor Series but because they booked him so badly the last couple of months and made him so uninteresting unsympathetic um, the crowd was just dead for it because it was like they were they weren't rejecting him as a person they didn't boo him so much but they were rejecting the way he was presented and they really thought that this guy was probably going to have another three-minute match, take two bumps, and go home. And it turned out, from the second the bell rang, their expectations were turned inside out. And before we get into the meat of the match, the one thing that I regret, and it really cuts this match in half, but because of the Undertaker seeming retirement in the main event, I understand the way they thought, but regardless, the Taker thing wouldn't have been taken away from. It really wouldn't have. This wouldn't have been retirement. It would have simply been leaving the camera on Goldberg and letting him slowly work his way to his feet and limp out of the ring because you know at the end of this match the fans would have 
have paid for that moment. They would have bought that moment. They would have said thank you. They would have given a good chant. I firmly believe that. And it was it would have been the right way to finish the match because it was supposed to be epic when it came back at Survivor Series. The match itself, Kieran, it opens immediately with Brock throwing three German suplexes on Goldberg. Uh, Goldberg pops up and literally he's so quick in no-selling these three Germans. He pops up and spears Lesnar into the frame of the shot. I didn't even see him coming the way it was shot. And Goldberg stands up and he looks completely 100% fine. And uh, I'll let you get to the bones of the match here. But let me tell you, in the end, Goldberg took 10 Germans. He did a, a bunch of big spots. It was a short, impactful kind of eight-minute kind of match. But Goldberg really genuinely came across as a real ass kicker not like the undertaker or shane mcmahon or even triple h reef to suspend your disbelief that this guy's tough i really believed that goldberg was tough in this match and i believed that he deserved to be in the ring with brock lesnar and to go toe-to-toe with him i believed because of the incredible athleticism and sharpness of his performance the moves he did were somewhat straightforward and somewhat simple but excellently executed and far better cardio and sharpness than you know this is one of the best performances in from many metrics in his whole career based on on where he is god bless him yeah yeah totally totally um i um he 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 dominated uh, some most like a, a good part of this match, and uh, he just got caught. Um, he was going for a, a, like a I think fourth or fifth uh, spear, and uh, uh, when as he was walking uh, running into the getting uh, to, to just doing the spear again, uh, Lesnar did a, a leap, leapfrog, and uh, Goldberg went, very went, impressive. went into uh, the 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 turnbuckle, and uh, Gold, uh, Lesnar just took over. And um, he, he, like you know, it was it was back and forth, you know, pretty much all match um, between who was dominating, and uh, just Lesnar got uh, Goldberg got caught, and uh, you know Lesnar just uh, took advantage and uh, did uh, a, a, a 10, 10 German suplexes uh, in a row, and uh, did the the F five, and uh, uh, you got a new uh, Universal Champion. Yep, and uh, he did the three Germans to the start. Lesnar went outside. Goldberg speared him to the dasher boards. For yeah. a minute, we were scared that Goldberg might have been hurt there. Yeah. Uh, but he came back strong and fast. Um, the Lots of suplexes and throwing back and forth. Uh, Goldberg used a little bit of kind of jiu-jitsu-style stuff, and he's always been good at that, and he, he trains at that, and his, a lot of his offense is very believable. And, uh, yeah, I was just impressed as heck by the match. I just I thought that he really paid it off, and I'm, I regret they didn't show the aftermath because I think he earned back the people's trust with that match. Well, I was going to say, uh, just well, f- f- final p- final point on this match, like, you know, um, Goldberg, I think they've, the, the crowd lost a lot of uh, momentum uh, to, to Goldberg just because um, after Survivor Series, he was never given, uh, like, a... A good story, like you know, um, yeah. uh, like something that you could really. What's his motivation? Get, yeah, what, who's exactly. Who's he fighting get, for? Why get, is he? It's not something you can get your teeth into and like yeah. actually care about, like you know. Fighting for my boy, you can only repeat so many times. It has to get deeper than that. Yeah. Um. So he's pretty much gone from Survivor Series to this point with no story, like like um. And uh, yeah, I think uh, the people were like losing uh, momentum um to to cheer Goldberg, but the first two or three minutes of this match just uh let's turn that all on his head like you know yeah and the crowd started with the goldberg chance and it yeah. was you know lesnar kicked out of the jackhammer um 
Goldberg kicked out of at least one F5 before yeah. he went down to the final one. And it felt like the final one was at the right time. You yeah. know, it felt... It was just two big mean guys... Uh, and Lesnar took advantage of a situation. It wasn't like a, a cheating win. Yeah, it, it was that's just what I was saying to yeah, you. Yeah, it just had a gentle tint of taking advantage. But but no, really, it was just. In fact, it was a tint of genius. Really, that leapfrog. You know, so yeah, he beat him clean, and it, it sort of validates the whole arc of the story, he, and it makes Goldberg just, look strong coming out. Lesnar just caught Goldberg, and you know when Lesnar has the advantage with like being that killer like beast that he is, like you know you're in trouble if, if Lesnar's on top of you and uh, he has a, a couple of uh, Germans and then he does the F5, like, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. Anyone's, anyone's in trouble from uh, in that in that situation. Yeah, Goldberg really earned it. I, I'm really I'm really happy for him. It was I, a great match. It was it, a great it match. It really was. God bless those guys. Um, moving on to uh, our semi-main, well, like, like the, the match before the the main event um it was the women's title match uh, for smackdown yeah didn't um, watch this how'd it go yeah um no, no, no uh, it was a six six pack um match with six six women um in this match um naomi alexa bliss becky lynch natalia carmel and um Sorry, who who did I not meet? <laughs> Mickey sure. Mickey James, I think. Oh yeah, like, that's know. right. Um, she was dressed like like a peacock, wasn't yeah. she? No, that was that was Charlotte. Oh yeah, <laughs> Charlotte's just like, but she was just like um, Pocahontas. Oh, so um, like, she was like the tanker. Yeah, like, <laughs> the, like kind of, maybe like I think it's Indian looking. I could be yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it was Big. It was. It was. It was. It was a good. It was a fun match. Like you know, it was. It was a good match. Um. Uh. Like a, a segue. Segue from the Goldberg match uh, into the main event with uh, Undertaker and Robin Reigns. Um. Naomi won this match. Um. By submission. And um. Yeah. It was a good match. It was. She won the title again in a in a hometown. And it was a good good feeling match. And uh, yeah. It was normal. Yeah. Cool. Good. Um. You want to say anything about this match? Or? Nope. No. No. Um, yeah. Uh, well, we went on to uh, our main event and uh, Undertaker versus uh, Roman Reigns. I, I. This is. It's such a tale of two cities because the match itself. I even though I know Undertaker had hip surgery recently and he's been slowing down year on year on year, he still has an amazing ability to pull a rabbit out of a, a hat, like he did with the second and third Lesnar matches. And Roman Reigns is a very good athlete really good and he had a lot of heel heat and this was a, the the hottest pro, program coming in i mean those raw segments the crowd was electric for them when those two guys squared off a few times the last six weeks on raw and uh but just the bell to bell match it was very slow and undertaker had to kind of push on his knees when he stood up and you could see he didn't have the dexterity and the confidence in his balance and movement that you know he once had and it felt like it shouldn't really be a match. It kind of felt like Taker was past his prime. Yeah. It, it didn't, you know, he got up for the Sean matches. He got up for the, the Hunter matches. And with that style, you can believe it. But Reigns is so young and he's so fast that it just didn't, it, it was, didn't compute. It was a complete mismatch, I think. Like, you know. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't seem plausible. <laughs> and, and plus Reigns, and when Reigns was dominating Undertaker... He was kind of sitting there gazing at him like he was daydreaming in between spots rather than looking like 
he was meticulously taking him apart like a heel. He didn't seem to have great intent. He just always kept seeming surprised the Undertaker got up, but he never showed a strong emotion or a strong sadism or a strong, you know, desire towards winning the match. He would do a move, and then Undertaker would kick out, and then he'd sit there and look at him like a little child for 30 seconds going, wow, that guy's great. And then he'd do a move, and Undertaker would kick out, and they would just do it over and over again. This this was... This part of the match was very confusing to me because it seemed like Robin Reigns could finish this match at any any moment. He yeah. was like dominating. I know Undertaker kept on kicking out, but it, he Robin Reigns had this match so much so t- sewn up, and then whenever he did a move, he just stood back by the ring, by the corner and just just basically stared at the Undertaker until he he got up again and did a diff, uh, like a, a different move like a superman punch or a spear like you know and it just made no sense until he actually did he did pin him and uh, he got the one on one two three yeah it, it literally looked like roman was waiting for taker to be ready to do the next spot yeah it, it was it was like literally he was just sitting there waiting like oh, okay you know whenever you want to get up we'll we'll do the it, tackle drop down thing uh, and then it, you can lay there for a while again it, it, it was at the at the end of it by the end of it it was like it really was like you know just a a young man beaten up an old man like you know it and was, taking really his was. time and looking aimless yeah. at it i mean i thought in a heel style role that like you know Undertaker's a babyface. Hunter last year was a heel. The Brock Lesnar year before was a heel. So they keep putting Roman in the main event of WrestleManias, but I thought at least position against a babyface and putting him in that heel role, he'd be interesting because of that that heat. But he wasn't interesting. He really, his personality tonight really fell short. There, mm-hmm. there wasn't, there wasn't anything to really grab your teeth into. He didn't come across particularly for, passionate for, for, or have for, a strong. For, for a wrestle for a wrestling uh, for a wrestling uh, WrestleMania main event, um, I thought it was very disappointing. Yeah, it um, just it just felt like it, once we got there, the promos and the setup was cool. Yeah, but once we got there, it didn't feel like it should be a main event match in one sense as well. It didn't. It was so exciting because you didn't expect it to be main event. That was part of why it was exciting. Mm-hmm. It's like that was originally I would think slotted to be where Goldberg and Lesnar are because Goldberg and Lesnar for a long time was talked about as the main event of this show. You know, in in December January when Goldberg was still seeming hot until the Kevin Owens thing in particular when he won the belt and people really started to. Backlash, uh, it felt like the natural main event of the show, you mm-hmm. know, and especially if they want to put the belt on Brock as the biggest belt, it makes sense, you know. So the fact they put this on last was maybe kind of a later decision, and yeah, so Taker loses, and uh, then after the match, we cut away to like a what do we cut away to? Uh, well, like Rob, uh, Robin Reigns came, uh, went into the, uh, back to the ramp, and he got yep. the fireworks and everything. Um, yeah, they did did a whole bunch of like major cinematography with Roman Reigns on the ramp, like yeah. posing and looking like the cover of a comic book with the whole set behind him. And it like looked, the fireworks it looked, and everything. Like, it was know. very cool, very contrived. Like I laughed my butt off. It didn't impact me in a constructive way, really. But and then and then maybe uh, want to buy the show, but and then uh, he went back to the backstage, and uh, we got we went back into the ring, and Undertaker's there lying down. And uh, he eventually uh, sat up again. But this time, him sitting up, he he barely made it up, and then he collapsed to the side. And it was like you could see from this point forward, he was releasing the gimmick. It was incredible. Like there was probably a good ten minutes from this point to the end of the show. Well, yeah. Well, when he when he stood up, when he uh, sat up, 
Um, it went uh, to the replays straight away. And uh, when the replays were over, um, we, 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 we were back into the ring and uh, Undertaker's there standing up with his gear on. Which was amazingly quick. Like, he went from doing the, the big sell to being in the ring with his gear on. And that was an interesting move. At this point, I did not know the depth of where they were going with this. It seemed like a nice touch, but I could, I did not know if this was just one of the many extreme cosmetic presenting things that they've done, uh, or if this is actually leading to a meaningful moment, but it did, in fact, lead to a meaningful moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, he just, he, he took off, he, well, he walked around the ring for a while, um, I yeah, suppose, he, like... He yeah. looked around, he looked up, and he teased getting out of the ring. Yeah. He stepped halfway and, out. And his music was going um, for about, you know, three or four minutes. Um, and, and, and it seemed like this might just be the finish here. I, I thought, yeah. okay, this is going to be the finish. And yeah. I said I'm going to be pissed off if it is, because it seems like they're trying to be dramatic, but they've done this a few times already, like especially at the end of the end of an era, unquote, uh, second match with Hunter, well, really third match with Hunter at WrestleMania 28 uh, with Shawn Michaels' guest referee. Um, so they've already kind of teased his last match, and then with Brock, they did the long pause afterwards, and the fans really didn't get into it. You know, they a little chant of thank you, Taker, and stuff. Taker was lying there for a long, long time. So they've teased Taker ending his career a couple of times now, and so you really have to, like, I felt like I might have been burned again, and yeah. if I was, I really would have disliked the end of this show and the show as a whole a lot more. But he got halfway through the ropes, and then he came back in, and I had said... Before the ending sequence even started, I said, because last year apparently he did this, but it was off camera after his match with Shane, he left his gloves in the ring. And mm. I said, will he leave his gloves in the ring? And Rob really thought tonight would be the night. He thought it a lot more than me, and he was right. And uh, he stands back in the middle of the ring, and then, and this is already four minutes, as you said, into this, because he's been walking around the ring in his gear and just looking up and looking wistful already. And you could feel that this was a moment, but we didn't know it was the moment. And so... Jesus going out of the ring, comes back to the center, starts taking off his gloves. Then you know that you're in for something. And he puts down his gloves, and then he starts taking off his jacket. And that sent, like, a chill down my spine. Like, that was a serious... Like, the gloves can even be symbolic, and they're symbolic to a very substantial degree. But the jacket is really leaving you naked in terms of your character. You know, that's really committing. And then finally, and I didn't necessarily expect this either, he looked at them for a long time... And then he put his hands up to take off his hat. And he does that at the start of every match. He has a certain way that he puts his hands on his hat at like uh, midnight and, and maybe uh, uh, four o'clock. And his head is tilted down to a certain angle. And he, he puts his hands on his hat and then he pauses and he takes off his hat. And that's how he starts his match. But he never finishes the match that way, of course, because yeah. the hat is off. And he's doing, doing his eyes, eye thing as well. Yes. Um. And so he takes off the hat but it's clear that this imagery is I will be very surprised if he wrestles again yeah I feel like this is the match where he really truly was over the hill and not able to live up to the amazing standard he set for 25 years you know yeah I feel that he in his heart knows that it's going to be a diminishing return from this point and if this is his last match this was an absolutely beautiful way to go out he, fi he finally drops his hat down and as he leaves the ring he starts walking more and more like a normal person like he limps and he and he's not it's not like he's selling kind of limp it's like he's and also he, and also he uh, he went to the crowd and he kissed 
kissed his wife. Yes, and and you know the and Undertaker, no one, no one, he never does that. Like, the Undertaker yeah. character doesn't do that. Yeah, he, he doesn't have a wife. Like yeah, yeah, a, yeah. A, you know he's the American a dead man. badass, he's a dead would. man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was, and he's he, exactly like you said. In fact, I hadn't even thought about it as hard as as you just pointed out there. But that's true. It's a very strong break from. Uh, his character so uh he goes up the up the ramp and finally he looks back over his shoulder and uh puts his arm in the air and the crowd continues to chant and chant and chant thank you taker and it builds and builds and uh at the start of the match's entrance he came up through the middle of this we didn't mention at the top but this this is apparently the longest entrance ramp in, in wwe history is that correct yeah, yeah and this was so long when nia Jax was walking to the ring it was like it was like the incredible journey it was like this <laughs> perpetual thing it's like there was so many times when uh, uh like wrestlers went to uh, started from the top of the, ra- the ramp to the, the end of the ramp that they didn't even get to the uh, end of the ramp and they stopped and the 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 production stopped playing their music and moved on to the next person like you know yeah they just gave up it was like we can't do it yeah. <laughs> we, tapped we don't out. have enough time like, yeah, no. we, we cannot do it so yeah they, they had this this entrance uh, for the Undertaker and he did a similar thing with Shawn Michaels at Wrestlemania 25 their first Wrestlemania match uh, where he came up out of the ground. It was like Rey Mysterio in slow motion. Um, so this platform raises him up into the middle of the entrance ramp, and then he walks to the ring. Well, at the end of the match, he walks up to that same spot, and it was uh, our friend Stephen who called it, and uh, he puts his arm up, and the fans keep chanting, and then he starts to descend. And you really felt like none of this imagery has he done before, not in this context, not in this way. And you really felt if this is the end of the character, this is, and it's the right time. And if it's right for him as a human being, I mean, if he comes back, that's his life and I cannot begrudge it. But I think this is a beautiful way to finish it. And uh, yeah, man, I was I was blown away just having him literally leave the arena. You know, it was just, it was fantastic. I I, I thought with him leaving the, the hat, which is pretty much, you know, like that's a major that's a final symbol of yeah, who he is. Yeah, yeah. I leaving the hat on the, in the ring and then coming out and uh, kissing his wife, which is he's never done anything like that. Like you know, he's, unless he was the American badass, okay, character. But yeah, yeah as this Undertaker as, character, as the, yeah. as the like the dead man, he's yeah. never done that anything like that. Like you know, and then uh, uh, being uh, descending uh, uh, through uh, down down the ramp, like you know. Nothing like that, like you know, and I just think just the way the match went, where like Robin Reigns just dominated him, like you know, like it wasn't, it wasn't even close, like you know, like it was like a domination, like you know, of like, like it was like a, a hand, he hand put of him, like he the, put him the, right over the same way Goldberg yeah, it was did like with a, Brock. a torch. It was like passing the torch, like you know, like yeah. you know, from the old guy to the new guy, and like I just, I would be very surprised if he doesn't retire, like you know, and. uh yeah. Yeah. So overall, it was a show of. It's very memorable. It's the most like. I thought WrestleMania 30 with Daniel Bryan winning. I thought that whole card end to end was incredibly well constructed. I thought it was a great show. I really did. Um, this is the most interesting, memorable show since then, uh, including 31 and 32. This is 33. Uh, the lows were really, really miserable. And there's a lot of nonsense. Like uh, Shane wrestling toe to toe with AJ, nonsense. Triple H wrestling toe to toe with Seth nonsense uh the undertaker match until the finish was kind of nonsensical and seemed he seemed like he didn't really belong there anymore but if it's his last match is almost appropriate you know it, it should almost be like you don't have it anymore and you need to go like if his last match was like you know the kind of thing where oh god we have to see that again 
it almost in a certain way is less satisfying. It's yeah. like that fighter who loses his last couple of fights and you're like, you know, let's just let's just go out gracefully. You know, let's this is actually the time. This is the time. We don't have to be macho about it. We don't have to be, oh, I could have just gotten them. He really put them over, like you said. So the Hardys coming back was fantastic. I wish they left the ending on Goldberg, but he he wrestled like he was thirty years old. I thought he was absolutely ridiculous tonight. And uh, yeah, the the Bray uh, Randy stuff really sticks out as well as being just a really miserable, miserable thing. It, it just it was just terribly conceived and made no sense in the context of a wrestling show. It was literally disgusting. It, it was something I don't want to think about. It's unpleasant to think about. And, um, you know, they, they do this kind of thing every couple of years. They've never done anything quite like that that I remember before. Maybe I've locked it out. I don't know. Um, well, my, my overall thoughts, like, you know, firstly about the main event, um, I was a big fan of the, the, the ending with the Undertaker leaving, and um, like it was such a, it was it was it was it was so like fitting for like a, such a legend, like you know, but like but like for his match, for the main event of WrestleMania, like it was a pretty much a squash match, you know, and that disappointed me a little bit, like you know, um, but like for the Undertaker leaving and everything, like you know, I thought I was, yeah, you know, I thought I was really well done. Um, overall for the the show. Yeah, like you know, I I really I I enjoyed the show. Um, I thought it was a lot better than I, what I was expecting, and uh, I think that's that's um that's a good thing uh, always. Like you know, um, because I was really like worried about this uh, WrestleMania. Um, but like yeah, Ro- uh, Goldberg and Lesnar, that was great. The Hardys coming back, and that was great. Um, I I enjoyed uh, AJ and um, Shane. I lo- I enjoyed uh, Jericho and uh, and uh, Owens. Like you know, um, yeah. There's a lot of like nonsense. Like you know, um, like with Randy and Bray. Like I just I I have no idea what they were thinking. Like you know, and Triple H and Seth Rollins. Like the less said about that, the better. Um, but. Um, I enjoyed the show, and I thought it was a good show overall. Overall, as I think back on it, I think it's actually quite a distressing show. I think the profound differences in themes, like if you look at Goldberg versus Brock versus Randy versus Bray, they're such completely different products. You know, one feels like a sports entertainment product, (laughs) pro wrestling, and the other one feels like a wacky terrible b-movie mm-hmm. you know like like really absurd horror b-movie and they're they're compl- and the whole show felt like that from top to bottom to me they felt like a series of disconnected situations it wasn't like and and part of that is like you didn't really get the strong sense of you know the winner of match two will face the winner of the championship match three at the next pay-per-view most likely there, there wasn't a sense like all of these matches seem to take place in their own world and they all seem to be this kind of fake contrived kind of artificial place rather than a league of fighters that are fighting the ranks and there, there there needs to be in the long run a sense of uh, t- rankings. There has to be a sense of finishes and plausibility. There has to be a sense of integration. A, con- was, a continuation, like yeah, you know. it was very hokey and disjointed. Yeah, you know, like you couldn't have predicted this card. This card didn't really make any sense. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, a most of this didn't really make make that much sense. And uh, I think it's a bad omen for the future. I think it was a memorable show in and of itself for good reasons and bad. But I think for the future, it shows a real lack of vision as to who they want to be. Yeah. You know, Roman Reigns won the main event of WrestleMania. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Brock Lesnar, okay, he's got the belt again. That's fine. I like Brock, but it's not taking us anywhere new. Uh, Seth and, and Hunter, Seth hasn't worked as a babyface yet. If he gets properly over, God bless him, but he hasn't really indicated that he kind of gets the real, the ability to really get it to the nth degree, to a, to a really special superstar degree. Well, he's, he against, he's against the wrong person. Like that, that doesn't help, <laughs> yeah. but... but you know, his baby face stuff hasn't ever gotten that far. I'm yeah. not sure he's got the right... I'm not sure he's some, a big main event draw personality. The I, one I, the one thing I would say about um, your your point about... Um, your point made you make right there. Like, you know, you know, it's not, it's not nothing. It's nothing that we haven't seen before. Like, you know, like, you know, that it's not, it's nothing new. Like, you know, um, with like no continuation, like, you know, that's, that's pretty much like the the story after every pay-per-view do you think or do i think that's the same story after every pay-per-view yeah like you know like there's no no continuation there's no like longer vision like yeah it very much feels like like, you know even week to week on television you don't know what you're expecting yeah you know the idea is that week to week you're meant to tune in the week after because the week before something happened where a challenge it's was like made. It's like a continuation, or a, like you know, yeah, yeah, you know, like and any good episodic television is like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, sports. You know, every year sports engage in a series. Every team engages in a series of leagues and knockout competitions, and that's the story. Yeah. You know, that's the championship story, and. So these guys, you know, it's it's bizarre the kind of stories they tell sometimes. Yeah. Uh, some things worked, some things didn't. Uh, fascinating time watching it. Uh, really, really interesting. And one last note I want to make is that the production of this show, from the cinematography to the fireworks displays, the, the lighting displays, the setup of it and production of it for a five-hour, seven-hour show was unbelievably good. It was It was so impressive yeah. I, I was taken aback and the the time when I really noticed it was when the Undertaker made his entrance which is very impressive I realized I've been watching something this impressive for four hours yeah you know this doesn't stand out like not just the, the camera way. the camera work was just amazing like you know yeah I thought yeah. like you yeah. know yeah. Their, their production team if they had if they got some uh, Pat Patterson's back in the booking team again and let those guys uh, drive things forward, I think we'd get a better product. But uh, uh, visually, absolutely beautiful and certainly a very compelling, very interesting show. Uh, this has been a ton of fun. Kieran, awesome night with you, my man. Great yeah. party tonight. Hope great I, show. Hope great, I, great night. Great uh, night. Hope all you guys enjoyed watching WrestleMania. Hope you enjoyed sharing it with us. We enjoyed sharing it with you. I think maybe you're a dick, but I hope that you're not. We'll catch you next time here on the Wrestling Dungeon.